Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 89, The Lowly Radiator Fan. It does more than you think. So, what does a fan do? I mean, any kind of fan. Well, it moves air. Okay, well, that's the end of this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, it does really do a lot more than you think it does. I'm going to start off with kind of a history of the radiator fan. Um, Initially, well, initially when cars were, uh, you know, really early, Model A's, Model T's, and so on and so forth, some of the very super early ones, um, they, you know, realized that an engine is a heat pump. Okay, it basically, obviously, with burning gasoline and air, uh, it creates a substantial amount of heat. So essentially, an engine is considered what's called a heat pump. Uh, The issue is that it can produce, you know, uh, so much heat that obviously the car, the engine needs a cooling system and so on and so forth. The really, really early, super early cars did not actually have radiator fans because the engines were so small and they produced such little power that uh, they just had a radiator that just allowed air to flow through it naturally from, you know, from vehicle uh, movement going forward. But very quickly, as, as more uh, powerful engines were developed, they realized, well, we've got to, you know, just having, <clears throat> just having air flowing through the front of the radiator is not enough. We've got to have a fan to draw it through uh, so that the radiator can give off the heat from the coolant to the outside air. So when that came about, uh, the earliest and, and for a long, long time, the way the, the fan was, the radiator fan was driven, it was belt driven, um, and typically they mounted the fan mounted to the front of the water pump, okay, uh, because it was already there anyway, it was belt driven, and typically the water pump was kind of mounted around the center, uh, in, you know, in line with the radiator, so it, it always seemed like a good place to, hey, let's put the fan on the end of the water pump shaft. Which, you know, that from that standpoint, it worked out quite well. And it also meant that the, the air, uh, radiator fan was always driven, uh, you know, uh, at engine speed or slightly above that, depending upon the ratio of the pulleys for the belts, okay? Uh, but it meant that it was always being driven, um, meaning that with the engine running, the fan is always turning, Okay. Um, So that went along for a lot of years, all the way up until about the eh, mid to late 70s. And this is when, um, you know, emissions started becoming an issue. And, of course, because of the gasoline shortage during the 70s uh, and, again, government regulations because of emissions, uh, fuel mileage became a much bigger uh, thought process for the automotive engineers as well. Okay. Um, So they were looking, they began to realize that, hey, we don't have to have this radiator fan running uh, all of the time, especially when a car is up to, you know, higher speeds, 40, 50, 60 plus miles an hour. There's enough what would be called ram air effect uh, because of the forward movement of the car that we don't really need to have the radiator fan certainly running at at as as high of a speed as it was uh, back then. And, um, you know, how can we, and of course, to do that, because it is pulling air, it's also requiring engine power to perform its function. So now, again, we go back to, it, it allows lower 
power output from the engine to propel the car, which means fuel mileage potentially suffers and emissions go up. So the first thing some of the engineers figured out is, is well, let's take on the, on the blades of the fan, let's make them out of a lighter material. And it was a real big aftermarket thing. It was called a flex fan. What happened was that as the uh, speeds of the fans came up with engine speed, the, the actual fan blade itself would flatten out. Okay, in other words, the pitch of the blade would change to where it wasn't moving as much air, okay, which of course meant it required less engine power to propel it or to drive it, which also increased fuel mileage and lowered emissions. So that was the first kind of where they were tweaking the operation or the, or the design of the radiator fan was using what was called a flex fan, okay. And again, those came about, they became popular, especially in the aftermarket, in the late 70s through the 80s, okay. Um, then in the early 80s, uh, again, we, you know, the government regulations for fuel mileage and or emissions were getting tighter and tighter. And so they they started to go, hey, let's, let's uh, possibly in addition to the radiator fan, let's do two things. Let's put what's called a viscous coupling or a radiator fan clutch on the fan. Okay, and what that basically does is it uses a heat-sensitive uh, liquid, typically silicon, that's that's inside of the radiator fan clutch. And so what happens, without getting real technical, basically what happens is that um, it if there's cooler air coming through the radiator, in other words, if the uh, engine hasn't warmed up yet or it's in the process of warming up, then obviously the air coming through the radiator as it's, as it's cooling the coolant is not going to be as hot. So the viscous fan coupling allows the radiator fan to basically freewheel, or in other words, it's driven at, at lower speeds, okay? Um, and this can go uh, on like that basically potentially through the entire operation cycle of the engine. Um, if, if you're especially once you get up to vehicle speed, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour, again, you don't need to have all this air uh, being pulled through by the radiator fan. So the viscous coupling or radiator fan clutch will uh, uncouple or, you know, lower the speed of the radiator fan because it's not really needed. Um, of course, where it is needed is typically the scenario, if the fan clutch goes bad, it will allow the radiator fan itself to actually freewheel pretty much all the time. So where this becomes more of an issue where you can start having actual overheating events is, you know, picture a hot summer day, you're in city traffic, stop and go, you're only traveling 20, 30, maybe 40 miles an hour, but it's a super hot day, got your AC on, so now you're putting more of a heat load on the cooling system. Um, if that fan clutch is bad and that fan starts to freewheel, which it will, uh, the engine will begin to overheat, okay? Um, that's the most common scenario that I see as a repair shop uh, owner and technician is that um, the customer will say, well, yeah, I was stuck in traffic. There was an accident on the freeway. My car started to overheat. Um, they knew enough to turn off their AC to reduce the heat load, and they got beyond the accident. So vehicle speed picked back up again, and the overheat situation went away. And they're like, well, what happened? Well, it's because the fan clutch is bad. Okay. So... That's, and again, but the reason they went to fan clutches is because, again, they're looking for ways to uh, increase fuel mileage and reduce emissions. The other thing they started doing was to use, besides the uh, engine-driven or belt-driven 
uh, radiator fan is a lot of the manufacturers started putting on an electrically operated auxiliary fan. This was typically mounted, uh, a lot of times it was mounted in front of the AC condenser, okay? And the idea being is that uh, when the AC was turned on, it would push air through the condenser, which also went through the radiator as well. Okay, well, why did they do this? Well, um, you know, with aerodynamic designs changing and the, and the front areas of the cars becoming potentially uh, smaller by chance or just designed differently, there wasn't enough airflow, especially at lower vehicle speeds, there wasn't enough airflow through the condenser and or radiator to allow the AC system to work properly. Okay, so certainly BMW, which is what I know, and, uh, and the European cars, but I think the domestics and the Asians did the same thing. It was depending upon the design of their, you know, uh, engines and, and transmissions and the, and the aerodynamics of the front of the car. They started putting in, in auxiliary air fans. So you had a quite a long period of time where you had really two different fans. You had the main uh, belt-driven radiator fan, um, that was mounted off the front of the water pump and then you also had an electrically operated auxiliary fan okay um, so and again the reason they did this was because at higher vehicle speeds the fan doesn't need to be uh, driven so to speak at at higher speeds okay so um, the other thing that happened of course is that in the early 80s when front-wheel drive started to become popular um, typically with front-wheel drive, the engine, instead of being mounted what's called long longitudinally, in other words, in line with the, with the car, in other words, you know, front to back, the engine is mounted front to back. On most front-wheel drive vehicles, uh, the engine is mounted what's called transverse, which means it's mounted crosswise the engine compartment, okay? It's mounted at a um, perpendicular to the front of the car, okay? which means that the front of the engine is now either on the right or left-hand side of the car or of the engine compartment, which means you can't have a radiator uh, mounted on the side of the, of the car. I mean, you, you can, but <laughs> it'd be pretty crazy aerodynamics and the car would look pretty funky. So bottom line is, is that they could no longer use a belt-driven uh, radiator fan because the engine was mounted sideways and so this is where electric fans that were mounted on the back side of the radiator become much became much much more uh, popular and and more prevalent so now they completely at that point they completely eliminated the belt driven or engine driven radiator fan and it went to strictly electric only okay um, when that originally came about typically it would depend obviously on the uh, design of the of the engine and cooling system but when uh, electric radiator fans first came out they were typically operated either well either they wouldn't they didn't come on at all especially like when the engine was cold I mean there's no reason to have it come on or they they were like two speed they had low speed high speed okay and again this varied with the design and you know the engine manufacturer depending upon what their uh, goals were okay but basically, there were two speed, low speed, high speed, okay? Um, with BMW, again, uh, they still, all the way up until the, well, uh, even through 05, 06, maybe even 07, 
BMW still had um, belt-driven radiator fans, but they certainly incorporated the auxiliary air fan um, basically even during the late 70s, okay? And this was, again, mostly for AC operation, okay? Um, so there was still a lot of car manufacturers that still had a combination of both mechanically driven as well as electrically operated fans that were blowing air through the AC condenser and or coolant radiator, okay? And again, they were typically operating at two different speeds. Um, also, on, in regards to the auxiliary air fan, um, it was originally typically turned on by the AC system. So in other words, when you commanded the AC to come on, part of the um, devices that would start to come online was the auxiliary air fan. It would come on low speed. The reason being is that typically, the again, there wasn't enough airflow through the AC condenser to uh, provide proper condensing of the Freon to make the AC system work properly. Um, and this became certainly more of an issue, especially in, you know, hot summer weather, stop and go driving or low vehicle speeds. There's just, there wasn't enough airflow through the condenser to allow the AC system to work properly. Now the car would not necessarily overheat because it still had its engine driven or belt driven radiator fan. So the symptom or the complaint, and this actually happened on my own car, is that at low vehicle speeds, the AC didn't seem to work that well. But then as you got up to higher vehicle speeds, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour plus, the AC worked perfectly fine. And my car definitely exhibited this. I would leave work. I've got about a four and a half mile commute, so I, I never get on the freeway. And what I found is I would leave my shop, which typically because of the, you know, streets and the traffic flow and whatever, um, I don't really get up to 40 miles an hour. It takes me about, oh, I don't know, a mile and a half, two miles of driving through different stoplights and so on and so forth to get to that point. So what I noticed was that uh, while the AC actually came on, and yes, it was getting cooler, it didn't really start working properly until I got to where I was doing 40, 50 miles an hour. And it was like, huh, I wonder if the auxiliary fan's not working. And lo and behold, it wasn't. So six or $700 later, that got fixed. Anyway, um, nowadays, um, well, one thing I want to make real clear, and this is uh, a lot of people don't realize this, and it's still something that the engineers are struggling with and that is is that to this day of the total heat energy produced by the engine regardless of vehicle and engine size so on and so forth about 60 to 70 percent of the total heat energy that the engine produces is lost through the exhaust and the cooling system okay so that means only about 30, 40, 30 to 40 percent of the total heat energy the engine produced that's supposed to be used to propel the car is actually lost, uh, basically to the atmosphere. Okay, um, this is one reason why turbocharging um, has been and is becoming again uh, popular because now you're using exhaust energy, heat energy, to spin a turbo, an impeller. Uh, but bottom line is is that you get more performance out of the engine on demand, okay? It doesn't cost anything um, from an engine standpoint as far as heat energy or anything like that to spin that impeller up to produce more power from the engine. 
whereas just real quick, a supercharger, it does. It is typically belt-driven, so like any other engine belt-driven device, it requires engine power to operate, okay, which means higher emissions, lower available horsepower to the rear wheels. A turbocharger doesn't, doesn't do that. Um, some people would call it free horsepower. That's not entirely correct, but that's another, there's another podcast. I actually talked about turbochargers, so if you want to check that out, I go more in-depth into what, what I'm talking about in that regard. But in any case, um, yeah, 60 to 70% of the total heat energy the engine produced produces is lost to the exhaust system and the cooling system, okay? So in today's, you know, in the world of, of computers and computer-controlled engine management systems, and let's face it, the cars have 60, 70, 80-plus computers in them nowadays, um, the engineers are certainly looking for any way they can get more power uh, with less emissions out of the engine, okay? So the as much as there may not be any longer, depending, again, upon, upon the manufacturer and, and the engine design, you, you know, you pop your hood and you're looking around, you may not see any normal belt-driven radiator fan. It may be completely an electric fan, and that is the only fan um, that has, that's attached to the back of the radiator. And it may be the only, there may not be an auxiliary air fan in front of the condenser either. So in other words, it relies on the one fan, okay? Typically, it is uh, controlled by the engine management system. It's computer-controlled, okay? Um, usually, the fan is literally uh, be between not working at all or zero RPM, zero rotation, up to its full capacity. It's infinitely uh, variable fan speed, okay? What the control unit does without getting technical is it sends what's called a pulse-width modulated signal to the fan control unit, and that fan control unit then varies the voltage going to the fan motor, which, of course, varies the speed of the fan, okay? So why did they do all that? Well, again, they are looking for any way to reduce emissions and increase fuel mileage, and if they get more power out of the engine, that's a good thing too, okay? But if something is measurable, then they're going to go after it. Okay, it's a matter of cost versus benefit or cost versus value. Okay, so, um, you know, BMW in particular, I would say most cars in general, probably started using some kind of a engine management controlled radiator fan system um, around about the mid to late 90s. Okay, so they, they've been around for a while. Okay, um, you know, and, and obviously... Um, just kind of reading my notes here. Um, so, yeah, the fan speed is infinitely adjustable. Um, you know, and the bottom line is is the, the goal is to control the coolant temperature for optimum fuel mileage and lowest emissions without overheating the engine. Okay. So that's another thing is that there a lot of cars today are kind of really operating on the fine line between having the coolant temperature high enough um, to where, you know, and, and again, I've done some other podcasts talking about cooling systems. Why are they pressurized? There's all these different things that are, that are happening in a car that they all have to be working properly to allow you to reliably and dependably drive down the road and get the best fuel mileage with the lowest emissions and the highest power. They all have to work together, okay? The fuel injection systems and radiator cooling systems and, and, 
you know, intake and exhaust systems and, and the computers all have to work properly. It's all got to be working together. But in regards to the cooling system, they're running that right on the edge of almost overheating. Okay, and again, the, the system's pressurized, which raises the boiling point of the coolant, uh, of the antifreeze water mix or coolant, okay? It's pressurized, <clears throat> and this is another reason, again, why typically coolant thermostats are also electro electronically controlled now, okay? Um, again, I certainly know BMWs, and they've been electronically controlled since, um, let's say, late 90s, early 2000s, okay? And again, the whole idea behind this is to have the coolant temperature as high as possible to get the lowest emissions, best fuel mileage, without the engine actually overheating, okay? The issue is that if anything in this system, in these systems, doesn't work properly, okay, it doesn't come on at a certain time or certain temperature or whatever the case may be, that engine is probably going to start running hot and or overheating, okay, which is not a good thing, okay. Um, and certainly, you know, in today's world, besides the fan being electrically operated, um, a lot of cars, again, BMW, the water pump is electrically operated as well. Okay, and again, this allows them to more tightly control coolant flow so they can go back to what I've already talked about, you know, um, lower emissions, better fuel mileage. Okay, they've, you know, figured out um, that this is, you know, by controlling these different factors and getting optimum uh, usage out of it, so to speak, okay, um, this is where they're going. Okay, does the systems, does it become more complicated? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay, there's a lot more going on. And and especially with uh, turbocharged cars or engines, um, they definitely, by having an electrically operated fan and an electrically operated water pump or coolant pump, um, you, know, th they, you know, they've got to protect that turbocharger. It's spinning at typically anywhere from 150 to 200,000 RPM, okay, when it's under full boost. Um, so you... You, uh, let's say, just accelerated real hard on the, to get on the freeway, and um, that, you know, impeller, that turbocharger impeller is what's called spooled up to 150, 200,000 RPM. If you then had to come to a stop, uh, that thing, it takes a while for it to, you know, spool back down again to come back down to a lower speed. Uh, if you were to shut the engine off at that point, that means there's no more oil flow to the turbocharger. And a lot of turbochargers are also are 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 also coolant, um, you know, cooled by engine coolant. So if all that shuts off, okay, um, the oil that's in the turbocharger can do what's called coke or coking, where it will start to break down and become this sort of tar-like material, which is not good for a turbocharger. Okay, so one of the things they can do by operating the fan the the radiator fan and the coolant water pump electrically is that the system realizes what you just did as far as the driving style you just you just put the engine through and so even though the engine may be shut off it will continue to run the coolant fan as well as the coolant water pump for a period of time okay and again this is to prevent uh what i just mentioned from happening okay so again, you know, obviously the systems have become, um, you know, much more complicated. Um, but you know, generally speaking, they they work pretty well. But when they don't, uh, it, you know, there can be problems.
So to finalize, um, you know, basically the radiator fan controls the engine coolant temperature. It supplies airflow through the AC condenser for proper AC operation. That's all it does. It still does the same thing as what it did from the very first time they put a radiator fan on a car. But how it's controlled and how it works uh, is, is much, much more complicated. Um, but, you know, the, again, you know, we, we're getting a lot more fuel mileage out of our vehicles today. Uh, of course, the U.S. government anyway is, is uh, they're coming up with, uh, you know, rules and regulations. And, oh, by 2030, your CAFE, Corporate Average Fuel Economy, uh, readings for your whatever it is you manufacture have to be, have to average 50 miles to the gallon. You know, it's like, really? <laughs> How are we going to do that? Well, we don't necessarily know yet. <laughs> um, I mean, this is why this technology is constantly changing. It's why manufacturers have gone to hybrid cars as well as all electric cars. Um, because it, if nothing else, it does raise their, their cafe standard. Okay. Um, you know, if a, um, if car manufacturers producing, you know, different models of cars to where maybe one car, the, um, uh, average fuel economy on that car is only 25 miles to the gallon, but they make a hybrid that's 50 miles to the gallon, then you average the two out. Okay. Um, the crazy part is that as far as I'm aware of it, it, it has nothing to do with sales. It's just a matter of, do you as a manufacturer make a car available that will get X number of miles to the gallon? It doesn't matter whether you sell very many of them or not. You have made them available. Okay. So, again, you know, this is why they're going to electric and so on and so forth. I mean, it's part of the reason. And I've done some other podcasts talking about hybrids and electric cars. And, and even to this date, uh, people, you know, people think that they're doing the environment a favor by buying a hybrid or electric car. The bottom line is, is that when you look at the total lifetime pollutants that not only from the manufacturing process, but obviously usage. And then if that car is hopefully recycled, which it should be at the end of its life, the bottom line is, is right now, this, this podcast is August of 2020, uh, typical hybrid and electric car actually pollute more in their lifetime than a normal gasoline-powered comparable car, okay? So we're not there yet, but anyway, I'm getting off base. So that's the radiator fan. Uh, it's, uh, it, you know, it has a very important function. Uh, uh, people, like I say, the little lowly radiator fan, well, what does it do? Well, it just moves air. Okay, but there's a lot more to it. Uh, I hope you found this a little bit enlightening um, that, you know, kind of increased your knowledge about your car. And uh, I appreciate you listening. As usual, if you want to get a hold of me via email, it's BK, excuse me, BKpodcast5 at gmail.com. Uh, I do have my repair shop in Newbury Park, California, Brad's Motor Works. Of course, got a couple websites on that. And, um, yeah, and, and if you have any ideas for future, you know, subject titles, whatever, for podcasts, by all means, uh, give me a quick, you know, send me a quick email. And let me know what you're interested in. If I have to do some research or something to, to come up with some, some good stuff for a, a new podcast, I will certainly do that. More than happy to. That way we'll, uh, we'll all learn something. So I appreciate your time. Appreciate you listening. I hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow. Thank you again.
Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you. And thank you again.